Hello, how are you doing? I'm fine. I'm just doing a jigsaw at the moment. <laughs> What's it of? Oh, it's very complicated. Big flowers, um, great big expanses of one single colour. This is the voice of my grandma, Elizabeth, who on Monday received her second round of the Pfizer vaccination against the novel coronavirus, aka COVID-19. She lives in the UK and was among the first group of people there to be vaccinated against the virus at one of her local doctor's surgeries. They stuck it in, it didn't hurt at all, just a a little scratch, as they say, just a little scratch. (laughs) Um, And uh, and that was it. And and there was no bleeding at all. They just mopped me slightly with a, a cotton pad um, and everything was fine. The UK is facing record case numbers of COVID-19 and is under strict lockdown, but there almost 2.5 million people have now received at least one dose of a COVID-19 vaccine. Both the Pfizer and Oxford AstraZeneca vaccines are approved for public distribution and the UK government is hoping to vaccinate all over 18s by early autumn of 2021. I asked my grandma whether she was at all worried about taking the vaccine, and her answer was pretty unequivocal. No, I was just very, very keen to have it, because I think, you know, living on my own, um, and with all other family members, they're all working and seeing other people, um, I now feel that I could actually go and stay with them. I could go and visit Kate, I think, Mm -hmm. except I'm not allowed to travel that far. (laughs) (laughs) It's kind of incredible to think that people around the world are now being vaccinated against COVID-19. This time last year, news of the novel coronavirus had barely made its way outside of China. But while vaccination efforts continue at pace in over 40 countries, Japan has yet to approve even a single vaccine for public distribution here. Oh yes, I've got a sticker on my on my gilet saying I have had the vaccine. Yes, just a paper one. It won't last very long, but I'm very proud of it. From the Japan Times, I'm Oscar Boyd, and this week I'm joined not just by my grandma, but also by Lisa Du, a reporter at Bloomberg's Tokyo Bureau, to discuss when can Japan expect a vaccine to COVID-19 and why has it fallen so far behind other countries? Lisa Du. Welcome to Deep Dive. Thank you for joining me today. Thank you for having me. Very happy to be here. So we here in Tokyo are under a new state of emergency after a resurgence in cases that's followed the same pattern seen in many countries around the world this winter. Yeah, unlike many of its counterparts, Japan is yet to approve even a single vaccine. So my first question to you is, which vaccine are we likely to see approved first? And when is that likely to happen? Yeah, so the front runner in Japan is Pfizer, and that's purely because it's the only company that's actually applied for approval in Japan. The government has signed memorandums of understanding and agreements with uh, many of the major vaccine developers you hear about, Pfizer, AstraZeneca, Moderna. But, um, you know, for the vaccine to actually get in the arms of the residents, um, you know, this whole regulatory process needs to happen. So right now, Pfizer is the only one among the agreements that's filed an application for approval in Japan. They did that in the middle of last month. And now we're waiting to hear back on that. Um, You know, in terms of official communication about the vaccine timeline, you know, Prime Minister Yoshida Suga has said that they're expecting to start inoculating healthcare workers by the end of February. Mm -hmm. So I guess from that, we can take that we're expecting the approval to come through before that. 
the only other thing we have to go off on historically is, you know, in 2009, during the H1N1 pandemic, the Japanese Ministry of Health approved a, um, a vaccine for that um, in about two to three months. That, and mm-hmm. it was an emergency approval process as well. That's the only historical precedent we have to kind of work off of. So under this fast track emergency approval process, the Pfizer vaccine could take between two to three months to be approved. But typically, how long would it take a new vaccine to be approved in Japan? Um, I think it typically takes about two to three years. The emergency approval process is set up for things like pandemics, public health emergencies. It basically allows um, the government to approve something if this vaccine has been approved by in another country with a similarly rigorous uh, drug regulatory approval. And that includes you know, the UK, the US, most of the EU countries. But I think... Um, they're also kind of worried about public perception. So they want to get mm. this right. They they want to say, you know, they, we've reviewed it. We've made sure that's safe for Japanese people. And we've seen the data, you know, of the safety data on Japanese people. So I think they're, they're kind of trying to balance uh, those two aspects of, you know, saying that, you know, we've taken care to look at this, but we're also aware that this is a public health emergency and that we need to get these vaccines out. In the best case scenario, then, we'll see the Pfizer vaccine start to be distributed at the end of February. You also mentioned a couple of the other major vaccines that are in use around the world in other countries, the Moderna vaccine and the Oxford-AstraZeneca vaccine. So let's go through those one by one. What do we know about the status of the Moderna vaccine and when it might become available in Japan? Yeah, and so in terms of Moderna vaccine, a lot of these vaccines are, um, the deals are being signed concurrently with a local drug maker that will help with the approval process, that will help with distribution, just because, you know, mm-hmm. they, they, they know their way about Japan. So in terms of Moderna, that agreement was signed with Takeda Pharmaceuticals, which is the biggest drug maker in Japan. Takeda will be importing the, uh, it's 50 million doses with Moderna. They'll be importing it, but the, and they will be the ones in charge of running the local trial for the vaccine as well as distributing it. You know, Moderna has been approved now in the US, the UK, and the EU. In Japan, what we have heard from Takeda so far is that they're actually starting the local trials in January. It's actually a bit far behind compared to um you know, Pfizer started theirs back in um, back in the fall, as well as did AstraZeneca. And so they're starting local trials now. Imagine, you know, if they're going to want to use this local trial data to apply for approval. And, um, you know, the, the company has communicated maybe it's likely sometime in, you know, in May. Mm-hmm. And then what do we know about the status of the Oxford-AstraZeneca vaccine? So the Oxford-AstraZeneca vaccine, all we know is that, you know, they started the Japan trial back in the fall. And uh, we don't, and we don't know when they intend to file for approval. I, I think um, the, the the trial it has is finished recruiting, so they've gotten everyone they needed. They've put the jobs in there, and they, they're just like waiting to see and observe if there's potential side effects. You know what the safety data is on the on this um, among the local population. It's similarly in a similar vein to the Takeda one, the the Oxford AstraZeneca one will be done with uh, Daiichi Sankyo, another one of the major drug makers. Like they'll be helping with distribution locally. Mm-hmm. Um, I do think. For this one, though, the actual approval will be handled by AstraZeneca themselves. And so it'll be up to them when they file for it. Um, with, but we just don't have any um, guidance on it. They just kept saying, you know, we'll do it in time. We have everything ready. It's always mm-hmm. the official line from the companies. And from my understanding, and please correct me if I'm wrong, with the agreements in place between the Japanese government and the providers of the Pfizer, Moderna and Oxford AstraZeneca vaccines, assuming all of those vaccines receive 
the required approval, Japan has actually secured enough vaccine doses to inoculate the entire population. Yes. So it's um, the numbers are they have 120 million doses agreements with Pfizer and AstraZeneca. And these are all two shot vaccines. So that's, you know, that'll be 60 million. Uh, per, it can cover 60 million people for 120 million doses. Um, the Moderna one is 50 million. So if you're thinking about that, that's, you know, uh, the, there's about 126 million people in Japan that the math there works. But additionally, you know, um, they, there's actually a, a fourth player in the mix, the U.S. drug maker Novavax. And the, this, is, this deal is a little bit different where um, Novavax has also signed a deal with um, Takeda and the Japanese government where they're actually going to transfer technology over um, to have Takeda be able to manufacture their vaccine locally. And Takeda will be able to manufacture about 120 million doses annually when that happens. Um, I do think the Novavax vaccine is a bit further behind compared to Moderna, AstraZeneca, and Pfizer. Uh, I think the global trial is still running, and so we don't we don't know enough yet about, you know, there's a lot less clarity on when that will happen. But, you know, I think they are kind of, you know, there, there is enough from the first three we discussed, but there's also a lot more, there could be more coming. And there's also, you know, local drug makers are also developing vaccines. Well, that moves us nicely along. Who, who are the local companies developing vaccines in Japan? And can we expect any of those vaccines to come to market or be distributed amongst the general public anytime soon? Because from my understanding as well, those companies are well behind their overseas counterparts. So yes, there's a handful of drug makers in Japan that have said that they're developing COVID-19 vaccines, but just, I guess, compared to the pace at which, you know, the Western developers have researched and pushed out this vaccine, they are um, much more slower. Mm. Um, one of the companies in Japan is Shionogi. Um, it's a kind of a smaller pharma outfit here. Um, we're very well known for virology, infectious disease Um drugs and um, they're also famous for randomly for um, developing Crestor. It's a back in the day it's a famous cholesterol medicine. Um, so Shinogi has said they're developing COVID-19 vaccine. They've actually started the, the phase one of the trial. Um, another company that had initially made some headlines um, back over the summer is Angie's. That is a, uh, a startup that spun out of Osaka University. They have also started their trial in Japan, kind of the beginning phase one, two trial of the vaccine. However, they haven't released a lot of data. So it's been very hard for you know analysts or scientists to be able to judge how effective this vaccine is or and where, mm-hmm. you know, you know, what stage of development it is. The other one that's been announced is Daiichi Sankyo. That's Daiichi is one of the, you know, one of the major drug developers in Japan. They are working with the University of Tokyo on a vaccine that they are expecting to start trials for sometime this year. Okay, so all of those vaccines are quite a long way from actually being distributed. Yes, and I, I do think technically if if all of their deals work out and um you know, with Pfizer, Moderna, AstraZeneca, and if the Novavax vaccine ends up, you know, working and being able to get approval, they, they could just vaccinate the entire population without using and without relying on the, you know, domestic makers. But I think, you know, they, um, they want to have options on the table, mm-hmm. of course. Of course. What do we know about the actual approval process? So once a company has gathered enough information from trials here and submitted their 
vaccine and all that data for approval, who actually approves it for public distribution? Yeah, so for the approval process, um, there is um, an institution here called the PMDA, the Pharmaceutical Medical Devices Agency. Uh, they're an independent agency that will they will take the data that is submitted with the application for approval and they'll evaluate the kind of the data. And um, they give that evaluation to the Ministry of Health in Japan. And within the ministry, there is a Pharmaceutical Affairs and Food Sanitation Council. They work within the ministry to also look at this and, um, and then make the decision with the Minister of Health himself. So when the approval comes through, it will come directly from the Minister of Health himself. Okay, so he's the person to look out for. Coming back to the Pfizer vaccine, assuming that does get approved successfully, what do we know about the schedule of his rollout and who's likely to actually receive it first? So what we know from official political communication and uh, domestic media reports on this is that inoculation should start by the end of February. And mm. um, kind of like what's happened in the UK and the US, they are going to be um, starting with frontline healthcare workers and doctors and nurses, and then moving on to you know the elderly population and then those with um, pre-existing health conditions. And once they've got through those most vulnerable groups, then they'll move on to distributing it amongst the wider population. Yes. And so what we've cobbled together is that, you know, they're hoping by mid-March to vaccinate about 3 million general healthcare workers. And, um, you know, by early April, start vaccinating the elderly. And then maybe by the you know, somewhere sometime in the summer, we could probably start seeing um, general population vaccination. But take all of this with a grain of salt because you just you don't know what's going to happen. You already, mm-hmm. you know, you're already seeing a ton of delays in the U.S. You know, this this is a very complex, um, you know, supply chain issue essentially to you know to get the vaccine distributed it and do it on a mass level and to kind of run this adult vaccination program, which is much more difficult than you know vaccinating children. Mm-hmm. So I suppose one of the benefits of having a few more extra months of time to play with while the vaccines are being approved is the ability for the government to actually plan more effectively for the rollout of the vaccine, you know, actually distributing vaccines and getting them into the arms of people. So has there been much in the way of planning for distribution? Because vaccinating 126 million people is no small feat, even if everyone is willing and able. Yeah, so that's started, and it's in um, very typical Japanese fashion. It started with many, many long, lengthy PowerPoints and um, grid maps. Um, it's being handled by the Ministry of Health, and um, and they've laid out kind of the the general framework of how it should happen. And that you know the, the the national government, the top, is in charge of securing the vaccines and providing the resources for local municipal governments to be able to administer the vaccine. And the administration and kind of management of this on the ground level will be handled by very local governments and they may choose to do that in many different ways. Mm-hmm. So there won't be like a, you know, this is how all of Japan would do it, depending on which which prefecture and which city and town you go to, it could be a different process. The general framework will be that, you know, they'll they'll be given the resources to, to obtain freezers, they'll be given the vaccines and they'll arrange how, you know, that jab gets in the arm. It's likely they'll probably contract it out to a hospital or a clinic and then They'll arrange for you know citizens to make reservations and come um, on a you know on a in a in a safe manner to come get their vaccine. So that's what we know so far. Mm-hmm. And one of the other important points of the rollout, and I, I guess they're hoping this will incentivize people to actually go and get the vaccine, is that the 
vaccine will be free for all residents of Japan. Yes, so the government has passed a law ensuring that it will be free, and so that's guaranteed. Assuming everything goes perfectly, perfectly, perfectly to plan and the Pfizer vaccine starts distributing in late February, the Moderna vaccine gets approval to be distributed in May and you know the Oxford-AstraZeneca vaccine gets approval whenever that gets approved. It still remains the case that Japan will be some months behind many other countries when it comes to getting its population vaccinated. So why is Japan so far behind countries like the UK and the US or other countries in Europe when it comes to the vaccine? I think there's there's kind of a, a two-pronged reason. And the, well, the first one is kind of the regulatory process in Japan. Japan is one of basically the few countries that require additional clinical trials within the country to ensure safety. So all of these vaccine makers that have signed deals with the Japanese government are conducting local trials. Now, they are able to conduct like a large-scale one. And also, I, I um at least, you know, in the last six months, the spread in Japan actually wasn't enough to be able to even successfully complete a large-scale vaccine um, trial. But they are conducting small-scale safety trials to make sure that this vaccine is safe for uh, Japanese people. The other side of this equation is also that, um, you know, Japan has a public very wary of vaccines, and especially of things that appear um, new and untested, which is kind of the perception around um, the Pfizer and Moderna vaccines, which uses this novel mRNA technology. And so I think the Japanese government is trying to also be careful to show that, you know, they've taken the time that they have, they've really evaluated, they've looked at the data, they've tested on Japanese people, and that it, it will be, you know, safe to use. And so they have to kind of manage these two, this speediness as well as worry about public perception that may become a rush job. They have to mm. manage these two, two aspects of it very carefully, you know, to make sure that, you know, people will actually want to take the jab when it becomes available. And where does this hesitancy to take vaccines in Japan come from? Because I remember reading a study that said Japan had one of the lowest trust scores in vaccine safety of any country in the world. Yeah, so, so Japan, there is a kind of really high distrust or I guess low confidence in vaccines in Japan. There's been you know, several studies done um, to show this. There was um, a, a big one that came out in September in, in The Lancet that was a global study of vaccine confidence that found that, you know, Japanese people were among the least confident uh, in vaccines in, in, in countries around the world. And this all kind of stems from, at least kind of this modern ease with vaccines is rooted in kind of how the government has handled and responded to past um, adverse events linked to vaccines, as well as kind of legal decisions that stem from that. Um, the Japanese government has increasingly taken a passive stance on vaccination, making it kind of more of an individual uh, choice for people. Mm-hmm. A bit of, I guess, a historical context. You know, there one of the big ones that everyone will always cite is in the early 90s, there was um, this issue with a, uh, a measles, mumps, rubella, MMR inoculation. Um, you know, some people found that it was linked to higher rates of aseptic meningitis. Um, I don't think a definitive link of causality was ever established, but, um, you know, the, the shot was discontinued. Um, and that still, you know, stays in public memory a mm. lot. And, um, and then in 1992, there was a, uh, a Tokyo District Court case that actually, um, ruled and made the government responsible for any adverse reactions basically linked to vaccines, uh, regardless of if there was any 
scientific evidence that you know the vaccines cause this side effect. And then about two years after that ruling, um, the government actually um, revised the vaccination law to um, get rid of mandatory vaccinations. All of this really had the effect of you know of making vaccines a, an individual choice. They, you know they're, they're really sending the message that the vaccination is something you do at your own risk. Mm. And um, and that really kind of moved away from actually kind of what the central core idea of vaccination is, which is that um, you get it not for yourself, but to, uh, to to for the for society. You know, getting a vaccine doesn't protect yourself, but protects others around you. And it really kind of moved away from that idea to kind of go at your own risk. You know, some people have even said that you could attribute the fact that you know Japanese pharmaceutical companies, which are usually really well known for really high quality research into drugs, um, you know, very well regarded around the world for this, but for the vaccine research with COVID, they've been especially slow and. And some have um, some professors I've spoken to have linked the kind of this the stance from the government towards almost discouraging you know mm. some of the taking risk and doing research into vaccines. And I guess the negative attitude towards vaccines that you've just described and those historic cases are all part of the reason for these extra trials on the Pfizer vaccine and Moderna vaccine, so that there's more buy-in and trust in the vaccines when they're finally yeah. distributed here, and so that the effort to create herd immunity through vaccination isn't derailed by a small number of adverse reactions to it amongst the general public. Yes. And another thing you have, they think they have to be really, really careful about is how, you know, the domestic news media will will report out the reactions from the vaccines and how they'll handle. You're already seeing kind of a lot of play up of, you know, that there have been a handful of adverse reactions um, from healthcare workers have taken it in the UK and the US. And so I think a, a lot of public health experts I've spoken to are, are, are very worried about this. Um, and they're worried, especially just because of this, this recent event that happened in Japan with the HPV vaccine, which mm. is the vaccine that, you know, that prevents um, cervical cancer. And this happened back in 2013. Now, this, this HPV vaccine has is developed and it's been proven um, safe and effective in preventing cervical cancer. It's given at a very high rate in around the globe. But back in 2013, it had been approved and they were inoculating young girls with this vaccine. And then um, I think there was a, there wasn't a bit of an outcry about some of the side effects. It was very much sensationalized in the news media, talked about on, on like news variety shows and also kind of really played up in a lot of the um, domestic newspapers about kind of how, uh, you know, HPE vaccine causes these terrible side effects. And eventually what happened was the, the government, uh, which had been kind of pushing, recommending the vaccine, withdrew the recommendation. The shot was still available, but, you know, they weren't going to push it and you just had to go request it if you wanted it. And as a result of kind of this shift in stance and also because of this kind of the public being very much influenced by what the domestic media was playing up about the side effects, um, the vaccination rate dropped from around 70% to below 1% now. Oh, wow. You know, it's it's just it's a crazy statistic. There's been studies done showing that you know there there's because of this um, lack of vaccination, uh, there ha- there were you know about maybe five thousand deaths that could have been prevented um, if you know these if these people could have only been vaccinated. I mean, of course, this is you know this is a different this is a different disease um, of uh, targeting a very specific population, um, something that's very different from COVID. But this is something that you know public health experts I spoke to you know they always bring this up mm. because they're worried that there's something like this uh, might happen. 
this event was also like proved kind of good fodder for a lot of anti-vaccination groups around the globe. Like、mm. people still reference this as like a victory point if you are an anti-vaxer. And like, oh, we can we can do this. We can get rid of vaccines. So with those issues of perception in mind around the rest of the world, we've seen leaders of countries such as President-elect Joe Biden and Vice President-elect Kamala Harris take the vaccine. Very publicly on television to try and increase public support for vaccines and demonstrate their safety. Have any of Japan's leaders promised anything similar for when a vaccine is approved for distribution here? So all we know so far is that basically Prime Minister Suga has、um, has said that he will be among the first to take the vaccine when it's available.、Um, he said that at the first press conference he gave this year on、uh, January fourth.、Um, it was it, he it wasn't about term from the past because he had given a press conference at the end of last year where basically he said he would wait his turn.、Mm. I think it kind of shows that he's likely aware of this vaccine hesitancy issue. And now trying to kind of almost follow this global norm among you know country leaders to try to encourage vaccination. The the other thing you can kind of see, and I, I think this plays more into the fact that you know I think the Japanese government understands that Japanese people see、um, vaccination to be almost、uh, you know an individual choice and at taking at one's own risk. But、um, back in December when Pfizer first filed for approval,、um, the health minister Tamura. Had made some comments along the fact that they weren't hundred percent sure on you know what this vaccine does to prevent spread, but that he is pretty confident that it does help prevent serious disease、um, if you get COVID,、mm. and so you can kind of see he's that that comment plays into the whole like if you get this vaccine, you can almost help yourself.、Mm. That that's really interesting because I think one of the ways Japan is. Very often portrayed is as a relatively collectivist country, especially compared to say the United States, which is seen as being much more individualistic. I think that sense of collectivism is one of the reasons often put forward for why Japan's first state of emergency helped reduce the spread of coronavirus, for example, despite the government not even having any legal powers to actually enforce people staying at home. But in the case of vaccines, you're saying Japan seems to have a much more individualistic approach to taking them or not. Yeah, yeah, and I think there, there's also a big difference between you know childhood vaccination and this is the COVID nineteen vaccine is actually mainly an adult vaccine. You know, you're asking healthy adults to get it.、Um, I, I do actually do think in terms of you know recommended childhood vaccines, Japan is pretty much among the norm in developed nations. You know, most people get you know the typical vaccines for their kids,、um, with some small exceptions. But the concern is, I, I think this COVID vaccine is is for healthy adults. You know, you're and they they are perceiving it as like oh. You're asking me to kind of risk my health for others, and、um, and so, so not everyone is is willing to to do that. I'd like to close out this conversation by reflecting on an article you published in December, in which you wrote, "Ironically, Japan's relative success in handling the pandemic means an urgent rollout of the shot is less of a priority." But do you think the recent resurgence of the virus and the second round of state of emergencies being declared across Japan at the moment is likely to result in more urgency around distributing a vaccine? Yes.、Yeah, so the situation in Japan is is changing kind of rapidly with、uh, you know the the state of infections and the spread. I think if it was a month ago, we could have talked about how the, you know they can take their sweet time with it a little bit. Um, you know, make sure it's you know safe. Show the government's being very careful with the data, and so that when it does roll out, they can get like a lot of buy in from the public and you know insurance that it's safe and they've taken. 
their time to make sure of that. But, you know, just I think even in the past week, you know, Japan is now in a second state of emergency for the Tokyo area. I think the, the you know, the seven day moving average of new cases in Tokyo, it's doubled in the past week. And in、um, the medical system, you know, many of the urban areas is highly strained, stretched to capacity. And so I, I do think that could increase. Uh, the urgency、uh, for a vaccine. And、um, kind of more recently, I think last week, there was a, an article out from the Nikkei. Usually they're, you know, they're quite well, deeply sourced within the government.、Um, but they were saying that、um, basically Prime Minister Suga's office had directly contacted the Japanese embassy in Washington, D.C., with the goal of getting kind of access to、um, clinical data from、uh, Pfizer's global vaccine trials. And I think that's、mm-hmm. kind of hinting at that, you know. They want, to, they want access to this, to this so that they can review the data and then try to get this vaccine approved fast. Well, Lisa, thank you very much for your time. Thank you. That's it for this week's episode of Deep Dive. My guests were Bloomberg News' Lisa Du and my grandma. Elizabeth, Elizabeth, <laughs> yes. Yes, grandmother Elizabeth. My thanks to both of them. If you've got a Japan themed jigsaw puzzle you can recommend, let me know on Twitter. I'd love to send my grandma one. You can find me at OMH Boyd. And if you want to read more from Lisa, links to her articles are in the episode notes. This is the first episode of 2021, so a very, very happy new year to you. I hope you managed to find some way to enjoy the holiday period. I ended up watching the first sunrise of the year above Mount Fuji, and it was absolutely freezing. That's all for this week. Catch you next time. And as always, Podscale Summer.